Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. Julie, these episodes really were hitting on the part of my heart that is forever devoted to Courtney and Scott because God damn, did they have so much fun. I was just going to say the same thing. I don't even know if I can claim that as part of my heart because sometimes it feels like my whole heart. They were genuinely best friends. Like I, I know that this is nothing new. We experienced this for so long, but it just felt like these two episodes particularly, they were having the best time. It was so lighthearted. It was so easy. Scott was so on his comedic timing. Courtney was so relaxed. I think also what was happening here was that Kim seemed so uptight. So it really highlighted just how chill Courtney was at this time in her life. And wow, it was a blissful viewing experience. You saying best friends just made me so sad because I just had this moment of it hitting me where I'm like, wow, they lost their relationship, but they also lost that friendship in each other. And that makes me literally want to cry. Do you think though, I really wonder that, like, I know we obviously know that they're very successful co-parents and everything is really cordial and Scott's completely still part of the family. But do you think they ever talk just as friends? Like, do you think they ever pick up the phone or ever hang out to talk about things that aren't child related at this point? Not anymore. No, I don't think so. Every part of me wants to say I do, but I honestly don't. I think that it may be too hard for him. I'm like 99% sure that their relationship right now is entirely child-based. And if I had to guess, I would say it's probably a little hostile between them. I don't think it's hostile. Like, I mean, what the fuck do I know? I'm just guessing here, but I don't think it's hostile. I think that it's very cordial and just very, very kid focused. I I don't think that Scott is wanting to interact with Courtney unnecessarily because I still think it's really hard for him. I'm so upset. They had so much fun together. And these episodes highlighted that more than anything. And 
all I can do is think about Courtney's relationship with Travis versus her relationship with Scott. And obviously there is something in that relationship with Travis that is just it for her. And it's what she's looking for at this part in her life. But I think that as viewers, the part of that relationship that we get is so intense. And that's the real focus of it is this like intensity and this sexual desire for each other. And with Scott, it was so fun and lighthearted and easy. And obviously it was not easy all the time and they had a lot of struggles. But when you watch these episodes in the older days when they aren't at the peak of their struggles and things are really good between them, the thing that stands out the most is just how much fun they have and how much they're laughing just constantly. And they bounce off and feed off of each other so well. And I think for a long time, we've kind of looked back at their relationship and we've wondered, you know, what is it about them that makes us still kind of long for that? And I think it was that level of fun that they had that really makes it hard to move on. I think so too. I mean, I think Courtney genuinely values fun so much that I do believe she must have that with Travis. But like you said, the part of their relationship they choose to showcase, or maybe they almost get off on showcasing is the intensity. So it's not that I don't think it's there. I just think that they're not choosing to highlight it. But the thing with Scott is when I look back on it, when we saw them at their most intense moments, there was always a negative connotation because it was always when he was doing something wrong or they were really struggling. And not to say they didn't have positive intensity, but we weren't typically privy to that. So it's just a different style. And yeah, I don't know. This really did something for me. They were laughing so much. When I think of Courtney and Scott, the audio that plays in my head is Scott when he's, when he's like, has the electric razor in his hand and he's like, he's like, I'm going to cut you a real nice doll. And like, that is forever what I think of when I think of Courtney and Scott. And for me, it's just like, it was so fun. They were laughing so much, but they were such a comfort with each other that I hope she has that with Travis. Like, again, it's a part of their relationship that we don't get to see, especially because we have not seen any of it on camera. And that is a huge, huge piece of it. But there's also an energy that Scott has that is just not an energy that Travis has. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think if you were to ask Courtney about it, she would say that Scott really represented a much younger time in her life. And Travis represents this new era and is more aligned with the things that she represents at this stage of her life. Like when you think about Courtney now, you don't think about that fun side of her. I don't think people associate her with her past brand. And I think when you think of Travis, it aligns so perfectly with who she is now. I just think that watching these old episodes reminds you of a Courtney that you don't really get to see so often. Yeah, I, I really do think though also Scott having such a presence on the show for so many years was a factor that can't be ignored. And even if Travis really does have a presence on the Hulu show, it will never be the same. And that's okay. It shouldn't be the same. I mean, how crazy would it be if she was able to replicate the Scott relationship? She would never want to do that. But we knew Scott in such a different way than we know Travis, even though Travis has been famous for longer, that it allowed us, I think, to fill in some more missing pieces. Whereas with her and Travis, what we don't see, it's harder for us to fill in, I think. Yeah. I agree with that. So we're doing season five, episodes eight and nine. And episode eight starts out with the famous opening scene where Chris is telling Kim that she walked into Kim's house the other day and Scott was standing at the refrigerator completely naked. And that's where they're going through different items in the fridge, like a string cheese and a sausage. And Kim's asking Chris to compare it to Scott's dick size, which 
I can't even believe I'm saying that sentence because for all of those things to take place, one, Courtney and Scott had to be living with Kim. So there's that. Second of all, he had to be comfortable enough to be fully naked in her kitchen. There has to be an interaction between him and Chris. Like that is a hilarious visual. Also an added point based on what Chris was describing size-wise, Scott also had to be hard, which is just a hilarious visual to add on top of everything that was just listed. Right. Like a real just morning wood situation where he was up at the crack of dawn, did not think he would ever see another visitor. And of course, Chris Jenner, probably there before 8 a.m., just had him like a deer in headlights. It's too good and it's too classic. And might I add, if what she was describing was him not hard, then that's a different conversation. No, I mean, there's no way. (laughs) I don't think so either. I know Jewish boys. There's not a single one that was bigger than a squash and smaller than a champagne bottle, as Chris described. (laughs) Wall soft. Wall soft. (laughs) Okay, so scene one, Scott and Courtney are at Mason's six-month checkup, and she's saying in her confessional, my siblings are my best friends, and having Mason has been the most rewarding, life-changing thing that's ever happened to Scott and myself. We definitely want to have another baby because I want two kids close in age like Kim and I were. So just keep in mind at this point, Mason is six months old, but now that we have the full picture, Mason's 12 right now, Penelope is nine and Rain is seven. So there were three years in between Mason and Penelope and then two years in between Penelope and Rain, which when I look back on it now, it feels so normal. But when I'm watching this episode, I forgot how hard Courtney was trying for another baby. Like three years in her mind was completely not a possibility. It's funny when I think about the age difference between Mason and Penelope, like logically I know how old they are now. So I know what the age difference is. But when I think of it off the top of my head, I always picture them as being much farther apart than they actually were. Like I picture there being a very large gap between Mason and whenever Penelope was born. I think that potentially the reason you may feel that way is because even though three years isn't that much, 12 and nine is a huge difference. I'll tell you what it is. It's not how old they are. It's the fact that now when we watch Kardashians, it's like one season equals one year, pretty much. And back then there were so many spinoffs that you probably had four or five in between the course of them being born. So it felt like so many years in between. I mean, think about it. From the time Mason was born at the end of season four, you already had them go to Miami, then come back for a fifth season. Then there's another one and then a sixth season and then another spinoff. So you have so much time in Kardashian timeline before Penelope was born, but it's actually a very short period of time in the actual world. That's a really good point. And I definitely think that contributes to sometimes us feeling a little bit disoriented age-wise, but also think about it in terms of their TikTok presences right now. Either way, whether it's Mason or Penelope, I think it's equally as exciting to watch this next generation of Kardashian like navigate social media totally. But think about the public's reaction to Mason versus their reaction to Penelope. With Mason, it's like, okay, this kind of makes sense age-wise that he's on it. And you you can almost maybe imagine what his content would be. Whereas when Penelope's on it, I know she has a joint account with Courtney. It's like, oh my God, this little Penelope, like how does she even have a phone? I, I feel like that's kind of the difference in vibe. Right. I mean, it is a significant age gap, even if it's not as many years, especially between a boy and a girl, I feel like. But I don't know. For me, I guess in my head, I always viewed Mason as like having so much time on his own before the rest of them came in. And I view, obviously, North and Penelope as so close in age. And therefore, it's like, in my mind, such a big gap, but it's really not the case. 
It's so funny now hearing Courtney talk about how badly she wanted Mason to have someone so close and aged him so he could be close with his siblings. And now to know that not only does he have siblings that he's so close with, but all of the cousins are being raised in that same way as if they are all siblings is like such a beautiful thing. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's so funny that when she was talking about it, and it makes sense, of course, they were the two out of everyone that were really trying for children at the moment. So that's where her mind was. But watching it now, you're thinking, don't worry, you're never going to have anything to worry about, even if your timeline with your own children doesn't line up in the way you want it, because all of your siblings are going to have so many kids themselves. And you're right, it is really, it is kind of beautiful to look back on. It's funny. If I think at this time, if you were to tell Chloe that she would be raising her kids similar age as Kylie's instead of Courtney's oldest, she would not believe you for one single second. Yes, and that's actually a really good and unintentional transition to the second plot of this episode. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. At the time, Kylie is 12, Kendall's, I think, 14, and they're really struggling with wanting to hang out with their friends and hang out with boys, and Caitlin is just not down for it, and so you're really starting to watch Kylie kind of rebel. And I also think the 
biggest theme of this wasn't so much that Caitlin was taking on the roles, quote, like bad cop or bad parent. It was more so, I think, for Caitlin, a struggle between wanting to be their friend, but also feeling like she had rules that she had to put into place. I loved these coming to age scenes, specifically with Kylie more than Kendall, actually, because you can see Kylie's personality stay so true to who she is now. Kendall's too, obviously, but with Kylie, it was a little bit more teenage angst, where with Kendall, it's kind of been just consistent to who she is. And so to watch them navigate Kylie specifically growing up is such a fascinating point of view, especially because with the older girls and Rob, we got them when they were I mean, like fully formed, I guess you would say. Like they were old when you got it. Their personalities were decided. And yes, in so many ways, they've stayed true to who they were since the beginning of the show. But that's because when we were started watching, they were in their 20s. We've watched Kylie and Kendall go from being eight and nine years old to really becoming teenagers at this point to watching them now. And it's like to watch them grow up in that way and then be able to look back at them at 12 years old and notice consistencies in their personality That's crazy. And that is not something that happens often. At the time, we should have been watching these episodes with the mindset that after Kim, it is going to be Kylie. And we weren't. I don't think we were tuned into it at the time. But when I watch these now, her kind of tenacity is so undeniable. And she's just so driven and committed to being exactly who she wants to be and doing exactly what she wants to do. And I can't believe that when I watched it for the first time, I didn't have the thought to myself of like, wait a second, Kim's going to make it really big, but Kylie's going to be right behind her. It's hard to view someone so young like that. Yeah. I don't think also at the time we even had a concept to what the magnitude or the scope of their businesses would become in general. I have to say when I was watching them years ago, when this was first on and Kylie and Kendall were still little, I never even thought about what their future was going to look like. They were always just the younger sisters. And so when that tide started to change and Kendall started modeling and Kylie started coming into her own, it kind of took me by surprise. And even in the King Kylie era, which I always reference as being such an iconic phase, obviously we remember that so well and it was such an iconic part of our lives. But we weren't fully in it because we were a little bit older at the time. And I think that's the generational gap between us and a couple of years younger, where we kind of viewed that as onlookers and like being fascinated by Kylie at that age. But that's totally different than being maybe two, three years younger than us and really being invested in Kylie at that age. And so when she was on that come up at that time, I remember feeling like, wow, she's really got something here that I don't really think I ever considered before. I was totally in your boat. I definitely did not consider it. I actually think that when Kylie and Kendall started to become so famous in their own right, it's hard to remember exactly what I felt because I'm sure on some level I felt that it was natural. You know, we watched them for so many years, but I do think that I had this moment of like, wait a second, they are now part of like the Kardashians. Like I think there was a time in my life when I really considered the Kardashians as Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. Yeah, me too. I mean, and for a while, I think that Kylie was a separate entity to me and it was pre-lip kits and it was definitely in that Tumblr era King Kylie phase. And I kind of view it, stay with me here because I've said this to you before, so I think you're gonna understand the comparison. I kind of view it in the way that I view the MagCon boys, which is what I was saying to you the other day, where I feel like if I was one year younger, 
I would have been so invested in them. And like, that would have been something that I really clung to. But because I was a year older, I was kind of past that phase. And that's how I felt about the King Kylie era, where I was like, I was so aware of it, but I wasn't in it. And now I look back on that time and I was like, wow, I wonder how I would have felt about Kylie at that time had I been just one year younger. It's so funny because not only do I understand that reference perfectly and I agree with it wholeheartedly, but when I hear you say MagCon, to me, it feels so niche. But then I realize how niche could it possibly be because they were obviously very famous. But for anybody who has no idea what Julie's talking about, basically MagCon was, I would say the biggest in around 2013, 2014. And it was basically a group of boys that grew a following from Vine and other social media platforms. And they toured. MagCon technically stands for meet, greet, convention, those three words put together. So they would basically just tour around the US and do these meet and greets with like their diehard fans. I, I honestly think it's very similar to the way that we view TikTok fame right now in more of like the content houses. Yeah, it's the sway house of then. Right. That's exactly what it was. But you're so right. Whereas we're just a little bit removed to fully understand what that hype must have been like if you were in it. Yeah, we can talk about it almost feeling like we were there, but we know we never actually experienced it to that same extent. Right. And think about how many people, which is crazy to think about, but how many people don't really know that that's where Sean Mendez got his start? Oh, of course not. I think that even people that would see Cameron Dallas now or Nash Greer now, clearly not nearly as famous as Sean Mendez, they would maybe think that they're internet personalities that arose more recently, whereas that was really their start. It's crazy. Like that period of time on the internet is such a nostalgic feeling for so many. And I really do think like, even as nostalgic as I feel for that time, it was just slightly past me. And so I can't even imagine what it would be like for somebody like really craving that Tumblr Vine era and have such fond memories and be like, wow, imagine trying to explain that to somebody else. Cause I understand how frustrating that would be. But by the way, that then makes me laugh where I'm like, how was I a little bit past MagCon, but right on Sway House? I know. <laughs> I think that's more of a personal problem for each of us. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, but that's okay. But you know what's actually funny that made me think of when you were saying that? I almost feel it's similar to Alabama Barker. And what I mean by that is the way that we consume her content or the way that we interact with her is obviously viewing her through the lens of being Travis Barker's daughter and she's newly integrated within the Kardashian family. And I think that we're really looking at it almost analytically from like, wow, she is such a great opportunity right now. She clearly has a following. Let's see where she's going to take this. Is she going to take it into music? Is she going to take it into makeup? Which lane is she going to go in? She has a lot of different hobbies. But if you're younger than us, like if you're, let's say 10 years younger, you're about 15 years old, Alabama is to you what King Kylie was to us at the time, or people a little bit younger than us at the time. So I think we're experiencing, even though we're not in it, something kind of similar to that right now. These little niche corners of the internet are one of the most fascinating things for me to talk about because it really is such a moment in time. And when people say you had to be there, you literally just had to be there. Otherwise, you would never understand it. But it had such an impact. Such an impact. I know. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. 
And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So next scene, they're at Chris's house and Kylie's friend Matthew comes over and Kylie and him go up to her room. Caitlin comes out, sees what's going on and basically just freaks out. And I have to tell you, I know a lot of the stuff is dramatized for the show. I think that this interaction between Kylie and Caitlin was really genuine because I think we were experiencing the absolute height or, or I don't, maybe it wouldn't even be the height. Maybe it's more so the start of what was about to be the height of the tension between Kylie and Caitlin that arose from Kylie wanting to do what the fuck she wanted to do and not wanting to have rules. And also you see that real overprotective side of Caitlin come out where with Chloe and Kim and Courtney, it's not that they didn't respect Caitlyn and it's never, and we've spoken about this a lot before, and it's never like they threw the you're not my dad thing in her face, but there was always that element of like, we're too old for you to tell us what to do. Like you were past that now. And so when you watch Caitlyn kind of regain that control or maybe crave that control when it comes to Kylie and Kendall in this phase of their lives when they're growing up and she kind of feels like she has the chance to step in in a way that she didn't get to with the other girls, you're really seeing that come through. And there's a point in the episode where Chloe actually says that to Caitlin, where she's like, I feel like you're punishing Kendall and Kylie for the stuff that we got away with and that you don't want to happen again, but they haven't given you a reason to not trust them in that way. And so that dynamic between the older girls and the younger girls and the way that it impacts Caitlin's parenting is such a fascinating thing to watch happen in real time. 
first of all, excellent point by Chloe. The second she said that, I was nodding and I remembered how much I agreed with that point when she made it at the time this episode aired. But second of all, when you were saying how the older girls kind of had this reaction of like, listen, we're too old for you to tell us what to do. That was totally there. But I think in the reverse, Caitlin also acknowledged that, you know, yes, there were times when they butted heads and there were times when maybe Caitlin overstepped because her values were slightly more conservative than what the girls were putting forth. But on a certain level, she kind of accepted defeat, you know, she got it. And so you're right. I definitely think it was almost maybe being reinvigorated or being allowed to put forth some of the values that she so wished she could have communicated with the older girls, but it was just too late. Right. Yeah. Also, so back to the Courtney and Scott plot line, they've been having sex constantly. And we start to see that Scott's getting a little bit frustrated because Courtney's wanting to do it in a way that's almost scientific to guarantee that she's going to get pregnant. Whereas he just wants to do it like it happened the first time, have fun. And if they get pregnant, they get pregnant, but they need to get lube. And so you're watching Scott pull up to a Calabasas CVS in his S-Class Mercedes, get out and ask some random guy sitting outside if he can give him a 50, keep the change going and buy me lube. And it's so funny because obviously this whole thing was you know, made up for the show. But the reason Courtney wanted him to do that in the first place is because, as she said, paparazzi were at the point where they were taking photos of them grocery shopping. And anytime they had a clear bag, they would take photos of the contents of that. That is not a season one problem in the slightest. It's not even a season two problem, really. As we start to get more, it's a season five problem and it'll only continue. But I love moments like that that really pinpoint like where they stood in the world of paparazzi. Yes, me too. That's such a good point. I also love them both being too embarrassed to get the lube. Like, <laughs> like Scott obviously didn't care, but Courtney was like, you cannot be photographed buying lube. Like if you're photographed, they're going to obviously know it's for both of us. And I was just, the only thing I could think of when they were saying that is Cara and Ashley Benson carrying a full-fledged sex bench into their house. And I'm like, wow, if you guys think that lube is a little too much, wait till you see these paparazzi photos in a few years. And it's really a commentary on the times because even if you want to use Courtney as the example, she's now the one that's posting push articles probably about how to get yourself naturally wetter without using lubricant. You know what I mean? Like there's no boundary anymore. And I, I mean, you know how I feel about that. To me, I think it's the most positive thing ever. But I do think it was also a comment on the times. Totally. If I was a celebrity and I got caught buying lube, I know that the next day there is going to be <laughs> a picture of me on Evan Ross Katz's Instagram with a hilarious caption. And I'm so fine with that. Right. Like to me, that's a badge of honor. Yes. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. 
Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Okay, so basically Kylie and Caitlin get into this massive fight because Kylie goes up to her room to order pizza with her friend Zach. Like I said, Caitlin sees them in the room together and it's a whole blowout. And Kylie calls the car service and goes to Chloe's house. She basically runs away there. Chloe opens the door. I genuinely believe this part was real in that Kylie did not tell her that she was coming and that nobody had any idea that that's where she was. And so Chloe kind of has to manage the situation. And like you were saying, has to call Caitlin and Chris and deal with it. But it's really a moment where we're seeing the very beginnings of Kylie just saying, I only want to do what I want to do. And I'm going to set up my life in a way that that's possible. Like clearly this is such a juvenile example of that. But to me, this is no different than her only coming to the parts of family vacations that she wants to come to and canceling any commitment she has last minute because it's not in the cards for her. Like I just think that's part of her personality that only got bigger as the stakes got higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also going about it in a very smart and kind of conniving way. Like being 12 years old and ordering yourself a car service to run away with, that takes the classic run out of your house, walk down the street when you're 12 years old thing and takes it to a whole new level. Because I can promise you no one else is ordering a car service to run away from home. But how funny that when she says that to Chloe, Chloe's saying, listen, I did the same thing. But when I ran away from home, I just was walking down the street, you know, with my suitcase. Like even Chloe, who also grew up very privileged, it just, I do think that it goes to show a very particular part about Kylie. Did I ever tell you I've tried to run away once? (laughs) How far did you get? You know why I came back? Why? I had to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. You guys know this, right? That Julie has the small, is it the, yeah, it's the smallest bladder. That's what it would be considered, right? It must be, yeah. No, it has to be. I mean, I don't know if you've ever gotten a scan, but we'll be walking and it's what, like, realistically, I'm not exaggerating. Would you say every 10 blocks? I would say that it's a very similar situation when somebody drinks and that like, quote, breaks the seal and then they can't stop peeing. Like, that's what it is with me. On a daily basis, every single day of her life. Yeah. The one great thing though about Julie- (laughs) The one great thing about Julie is that she knows, 
<laughs> she knows every public restroom location in Manhattan. And also she can rank them for you. So if it's the rare occasion that I have to go while we're out, she'll be like, no, you don't want to pee here. It's kind of gross. We'll wait a few blocks. Like she really knows them like the back of her hand. It's a very important quality to have. It is. I love having you with me. You're like my own little app. (laughs) So back to Courtney and Scott for a second. Basically they're at Kim's house and Kim makes a comment about how they seem so happy. And Scott's remarking, basically saying, yeah, we're having sex all the time. And he's saying in his confessional, like you would think that when your girlfriend wants to have sex nonstop, that it would be the best thing ever. But because Courtney is going about it in a way that is so methodical, it's kind of taken the fun out of it. And you see them have this heated back and forth and Courtney ends up apologizing, but it's just funny how sex really is one of the most powerful forces in the world. And even when the intention is changed, because nothing was changing other than the intention, like they were doing it a lot, but typically he would have loved doing it a lot. But because it became almost like homework instead of purely pleasure, you saw him really get frustrated with it. Well, Kim makes the point of saying to Courtney, like you're making him feel like all he is is a sperm donor. Right. Interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, and that's not what their relationship was. They were finally getting back on a track where they were more than just parents. They were really working towards becoming partners again and really working on their relationship. And I think Kim saying that to Courtney being like, listen, you're making him feel like all he is is a sperm donor. Like he is useless to you other than providing you with children made Courtney have this moment of like, no, I also have to take responsibility and like the way our relationship is going to be and where it's headed. And I think that was a moment that really hit her of like, no, we are partners. And I also have to accept my responsibility in making sure that stays the case. What I thought was really sweet about this scene, which is kind of a side element to it, was when Courtney was explaining to Kim that it's just so important that Mason has a sibling that's close in age to her and Kim, because without saying it, she's basically saying, you know, being so close in age to you was such a formative part of my childhood, you know, like, they really were raised in a lot of ways, not like twins, but close. And clearly the fact that she wants that for Mason shows that it was such a positive experience in her life. So it was a kind of sweet thing that in their typical style, they weren't gushing over it to to one another, but you could see that when you read between the lines, she was basically saying, I loved how we were brought up and I want nothing more than to give that to my children. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. So back to Kylie for a second, basically Chloe calls Caitlin and she ends up taking Kylie back to the house. And when they get home, Caitlin is sitting on the stairs and they have this conversation that I do think was kind of important because it goes back to my point from earlier where Caitlin is saying to Kylie, you know, I want you to be able to tell me things. I'm your friend. I'm your best friend. And Kylie's like, that's not the case because when I try to tell you things, you come down on me so much like the parent that that's actually not the case. Like basically choose one. Right. Well, Kylie directly says all the time you say to me, I am not your friend. I'm your parent, except for when it's convenient for you. You want to be my friend and not my parent. And it's very mixed messages that you're sending. And so when you're constantly saying to me, I am your parent, not your friend, that's the thing that's going to stick the most. And when Kylie says that, Caitlin's kind of like speechless. Like she really is at a loss for words because she kind of got owned in her own game. And that's the part of Kylie when we say like, of all of the signs of who Kylie was going to become, that ability to create an argument so well and leave everybody a little bit shocked, that's Kylie. Well, Caitlin was actually speechless. She literally said, you know what? You got me there. That's exactly accurate. And she was right. It's a great point. Oh, it absolutely was. There's also a part of this 
dynamic between the two of them that goes far beyond just Kylie and Caitlyn. And it's really such a commentary on dads, you know, dealing with their daughters becoming teenagers and how difficult that can be. And I guess, you know, you and I were having this conversation. We were saying, and it might be because our dads both don't have any sons to compare it to, but like we never really had that sort of relationship with our dads where they were kind of overprotective and boys weren't allowed in the room and, you know, your shorts couldn't be so short. Like that was not anything that either of us ever experienced. But for a lot of girls growing up and becoming teenagers, that really is their reality and their dad's having a difficult time with that. And that really coming out in their teenagers is something that they had to deal with. And it can be really damaging, I think, to relationships between dads and daughters, especially when they feel like, you know, they're losing, quote, their little girl. And I think that's also why Kendall and Caitlin were able to have kind of a closer relationship during these years, because all of those interests that Caitlin and Kendall shared stayed the same, whereas Kylie started to be more into makeup and more into boys and more into really leaning into that girly teenage stuff. And I think for Caitlin, she had a really difficult time with that idea of, you know, all these things that we used to have in common where you used to want to do these activities with me and be my little girl is not the case anymore. And you're watching Caitlin deal with that in real time and not always in the best way. Totally. And listen, she was just navigating it, but it's also not that we have to get into this conversation now because so much of it, I mean, all of it is, is well-intentioned. Clearly, you know, she wants the best for her daughters, but a lot of it also falls under like the more general concept of fathers feel that they know what goes through boys' minds because they were once boys. And so it's like, you know, just, just the idea of like, well, maybe we should teach our sons to not act on their desires and behave in a certain way instead of making sure that our daughters have to mute their sexuality or the way that they want to express themselves in a way to protect themselves. Obviously, I know it's like a far more nuanced and deeper conversation. That one sentence doesn't explain it, but like there's totally elements of that going on here. Oh, absolutely. Huge elements of it. And that's something that we've said about Caitlin a lot of the time. Um, And you're really, really seeing that come out. And we've seen that come out with the older girls. But again, when they were older, it wasn't like Caitlin really had a place to say anything. And it's honestly, in my opinion, it's not really like Caitlin has a place to say anything to Kylie at this age. But I mean, that's a parent-child relationship. So it's a little bit different, especially when the child is so young and Kylie was really only 12 here, even though she acted a little bit older. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic to watch play out. And I'm sure it's a dynamic that's familiar to a lot of people. Totally, totally. I personally can't relate, but I have seen it. Yeah, I can't relate on any level, actually. No, I mean, obviously, same. Anyway, that was a fun episode. It wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was really fun to watch. I just am so nostalgic for these days. I really am. Every time we watch one of these episodes, whether it's an amazing episode or it's kind of eh, there's none that I leave not going, wow, I fucking miss these early days. Also, the preview for episode 10, because I know we didn't do episode nine yet, but we watched it. The preview for episode 10 shows Kim and Courtney's iconic conversation where she's like, I can be there for you 90% of the time. She's like, well, your 90% isn't good enough. That was the root of that TikTok audio. Getting to the root of the TikTok audios and hearing them as we're watching is one of the most thrilling part of the rewatches. It is a drug. It is a fucking drug unlike anything I've ever felt. It's addicting. It feels like a scavenger hunt. Like I want to collect every single one of them and hit on every single one of them. I know. And we've been saying that we were going to make a master list as we've been going through and we haven't. We really should do that. 
I know we have to start writing them down. You're so right. They are so iconic. And I think that TikTok has almost given a new life to the show because a lot of people forgot about how epic these lines were and how epic these moments were. And again, just touching on that extreme nostalgia and that nuanced corner of the internet of people who watch these early seasons and reminding them what it was like to be in that moment in that period of time. It's just, you know what? It really is the greatest blessing ahead of the Hulu show. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I'm so happy to be at this exact moment in this exact moment. But for them, they couldn't pay for that kind of promo. I mean, it's, it's so natural and so unintentional and Obviously, Chris does so many things in her power, but bringing back Kardashian audios that are then used as TikTok audios is something that like she couldn't have come up with. She tried. It's so random the way it happens. And it's the same thing we always say about Courtney. It literally breathed new life into Courtney because remembering the iconic lines that she had made people fall back in love with Courtney again. And then when she entered this new relationship with Travis, everyone was so invested in it because they had already gotten reinvested in Courtney. I really feel like this TikTok pipeline specifically for the Kardashians works in ways they never, ever would have expected. And now you're seeing that with Penelope and North being on TikTok. And it's just this cycle of it is, I mean, it's almost unexplainable. Well, because it's the one thing that Kris Jenner or I guess in terms of the public perception that Christian or can't really control. I mean, you look at it with artists, you can throw so much money at so many different creators to make dances and to make videos with your song. If your song doesn't have something in it that has TikTok virality, it's not going to move. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you know, it doesn't matter who posts about it. And so one, first of all, I don't believe that this was at all orchestrated by Chris, but also it couldn't have been. It just, there are some things that have to happen organically in terms of gaining that excitement and that connection from TikTok. And this just was one of them. And you're right. Such a blessing before the Hulu show. It's so funny because every single time they have some sort of scandal, obviously the entire internet reacts in a way where it's like, this is all fake. It's just to promote the show. Like this is Chris Jenner at work. And it's like, if I was Chris and I was orchestrating all the shit and all I had to do this whole time was throw a couple of audios on TikTok, I'd be like, holy shit, I just wasted all of my energy and blew up my entire family. And all I had to do was have an audio where Courtney and Kim take off each other's boots. <laughs> right, like, are you fucking kidding me? This this is what I was missing? All we needed was for Courtney to say, this isn't the land of my people. This is Glendale instead of like blowing up three marriages. Ridiculous. That's such a funny concept. That could be a skit of Chris doing that. I know. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, actually, before the episode ends, I would love to spend a little bit of time discussing the Big Brother news that we just learned, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. You mean that Shannon Mokler and Lamar are going to be in the house together? Yes. Listen, we're talking to two people that have never once watched Big Brother, right? You've never seen it. Um, No, never. Yeah. So I don't even know what that really means, but I do know that that was some really smart casting. I'll tell you that much because there's a lot of people that would never even think to turn the show on, but are going to be curious, especially because both of them have been so in the news recently. I have seen clips of Big Brother because I've seen, I think Caitlin was on it, right? Like I've seen audios of her speaking on it. The thing that's interesting to me about Lamar and Shanna being on it is that I think that if you're not intimately familiar with it, you think they have a lot to bond over when the reality of the situation is probably Shanna having things to say and Lamar coming to the Kardashians' defense. And that will be 10 times more of an interesting dynamic than them both shit talking together. 
Oh, totally. And and you have to wonder, is she going to go there with him or does she, is she going to view him as an ally? Like, I don't know. I'm completely just speculating here. I, I have no idea, but yeah. it's, I'm tempted to watch. I have to say. I'm tempted to just do a little scroll through, you know? Yeah. I, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I probably won't watch, but I will depend on a lot of people uploading clips to TikTok and Twitter that will keep me very, very informed. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, we love you guys. Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo, and then we'll be back on Monday. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.